following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Um, so, I have a couple of things um, before we jump into the sermon. Um, first, uh, every year during Advent season, uh, we have been sharing um, an Advent devotional, a daily reading um, that we read um, the 25 days of, well, it's four weeks of Advent, but for uh, December 1st through the 25th. Um, we've done that for the last few years, um, and I would like to do that again this year. So I want to share the book. Um, the name of the book is Love Came Down at Christmas, and it's by Sinclair Ferguson, who wrote the one that we did last year. Uh, and that's available on the Ligonier Ministries website. Um, if you want more specific information, I'll give it to you. But I just want to kind of give you a heads up. We're going to be doing that. Um, the paperback is like 10 bucks. Um, so definitely a worthwhile thing. And we read that together and we'll have a little uh, thing on the Facebook page so you can react and share your thoughts. And, and uh, uh, together we can do that. Um, so Love Came Down at Christmas is the name of the book. Um, so there's that. Um, uh, sorry. Um, I would ask for your continued prayers, and I'm very grateful for your patience. Um, the Sam and I are still doing our ski patrol class, which has been quite a marathon um, for us, and we don't have any Sunday afternoon classes anymore, which I'm really grateful for because the last three weeks we just bolted out of here at the end of service, and it's like, see you later, guys, and that was absolutely killing me. Um, to not be able to spend time with you. So plan on shutting the club down today. We'll be here all afternoon sitting around uh, just visiting. So grateful for that. But I would ask for you to continue to pray for us. Uh, our test is on uh, December 3rd and 4th, which is a Saturday and Sunday. Um, and uh, that Sunday, Nate is going to bring the word um, while we're trying to bring the... I don't, I don't have a good... I don't... I have a good thing there. Um, we'll try to put the skis down, keep the patients upright. Yeah, that's that's our hope. So, uh, so thank you for your patience there too. Um, uh, and the third thing, I, I just wanted to reflect a little bit about the men's breakfast yesterday. Um, Rick brought a great story um, about uh, a past. Uh, it was written by a pastor's wife talking about uh, how. Uh, the Lord provided one year at Thanksgiving, or they had nothing, and they're, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to murder this story, but um, <laughs> they, they, uh, the pastor always tended to invite people over and share with them, people that didn't have a, a, a place to eat or people to share a meal with, and one year at Thanksgiving, they only had um, four cans of SpaghettiOs and, and then gave those four cans of SpaghettiOs up for a food drive uh, for a family in need, and it turned out that they were the family in need, and all of the food went to them to provide that year for Thanksgiving, and they, which was a good thing because the pastor invited like 10 people over um, and fed them with all this stuff. And it, it, um, 
my reaction to that was was good and bad, I think. My flesh reacted in the way that what kind of church were those people part of that allowed them to get down to only four cans of SpaghettiOs in their cupboard to feed their family? Uh, that was my flesh. Um, but the truth of the matter is I'm overwhelmed with gratitude to be part of a church family <laughs> that doesn't make us do that. And you all have been so gracious and wonderful and supportive uh, to me and to my family. Um, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for you all. And it's such a blessing to be part of this family uh, that even if I cut work early uh, and take off out of here, nobody's sending me nasty emails or, or, or not showing up anymore because the pastor's never available. Um, I'm just so grateful for you all. <laughs> My spam folder is full, but uh, none of those made it to primary, thankfully. Um, and I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with, uh, with your generosity. Um, okay, knock it off. All right, so we're going to go to, um, back to the Gospel of Luke. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Um, today we're going to look at verses 39 through 42. Um, and that's on page 863 in the Pew Bibles. Um, and I think, you know, like Will was saying earlier, the Lord tends to work things out um, regardless of, of what we're doing or how we feel about it. Um, and this, this text this morning, I think, um, kind of plays into what we've been talking about already. Um, this text is a difficult text. Um, at least it is for me because of the role that the Lord has called me to um, in this church family here. Um, Jesus has some really stern warnings here uh, for those who presume to be teachers, uh, as well as those who would be students, um, as well as those who claim to just be trying to help. Um, and I don't really have any other introduction uh, other than that. So let's just jump into the text of Luke 6, starting at verse 39. Jesus also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will, be, uh, you will see clearly to take the speck out that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word for the encouragement as well as the warning. And pray, Father, that you would change our hearts as we've already sung. Uh, that uh, our lives, our spirits would align with yours. Our understanding of your word uh, would be true and accurate. Father, I pray that you would speak now through your Holy Spirit, not my words, but yours. 
We love you, Lord, and give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so let's not dance around this too much. Um, Jesus is really only dealing with one principle, um, and that's spiritual blindness. That spiritual blindness uh, here comes in three forms because we all know Jesus loves a three-point sermon. Um, Lucky you. Verse 39. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? I think before we go very far, we have to have a good handle on what spiritual blindness is. I think we probably all have the good picture of what physical blindness is. Um, Even impairment, some of us are familiar with. Um, First and foremost, spiritual blindness is blindness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not blindness to the existence of God or the blindness of spirituality. It is blindness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are all sinners in need of a Savior. That we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need his sacrifice on the cross so that we can be forgiven. He paid the debt he did not owe. He paid our debt. If we are unwilling to confess our sin um, and turn away from it and trust in Jesus, that is spiritual blindness. Now, in the context given here, Jesus is not only speaking to the apostles and other followers, but also to the Pharisees as well. In Matthew 15, 14, Jesus specifically calls the Pharisees blind guides. And he said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a pit. Now, they must have been uh, talking about Pine Hill Road on the way to our house because all the pits that you could fall in if you were blind. Um, And the Pharisees, uh, they kind of, in, in the New Testament, they just show up as our, our perennial bad guys, right? They, they choose um, to reject Jesus' teaching in order to protect their own influence and power and control in society. Um, there may not be an official job title of Pharisee in the world today, um, but the attitude of the Pharisee is alive and well, not just outside of the church, but inside as well. And there are plenty of teachers in the world, plenty of leaders who are spiritually blind, some out of ignorance and some out of willfulness, choosing blindness. And what I mean is that there are some who have never heard the gospel of Jesus, and then there are others who have heard the gospel of Jesus and reject it. There's only two kinds of people in the world. When it comes to judgment day, it's going to be those who have accepted the truth the gospel of Jesus, and those who reject it. There's no middle ground. There's no third category. It seems that most people just prefer to wander in the dark. They prefer life without the light of the gospel of Jesus. And Jesus' words here about the blind leading the blind is a challenge to both teachers and students. 
leaders and followers. Now, it may seem foolish to us, uh, us that know Jesus and have trusted in him, that anybody would willfully reject him, willingly live life without him. I don't understand that. How can you possibly do it? Um, It seems foolish. But it's also foolish to presume to be a guide to others if you are blind. And there are also those who presume to be guides that claim to know Jesus but choose to be blind to his word and its truth. There are groups meeting across the world, even this morning, who claim to be in the light but are walking in the darkness. They claim to know God, but they have rejected the truth of the gospel. They stand in pulpits week after week, espousing God's love, but reject any kind of standards of behavior based on the Bible. The Bible was written so long ago, it can't possibly apply now. Those words are old. We need to progress past that. That's not, that's blindness. That's spiritual blindness. They're willingly and willfully blind to the truth of God's word and presume to lead others. Alistair Begg said, in order to avoid being a blind teacher, we must first place our lives under the divine searchlight. There are lots of people living in the darkness, choosing that. But as a dear friend once said, when we see people like that, all we can do is try not to be like that. Right? And I would add, make sure you don't follow people like that either. It's foolish to presume to be a guide if you're blind, and it's even more foolish to blindly follow them. In the words of Jedi Master, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? (laughs) Linda, can we put that on the sign? (laughs) Honestly, that's not scripture, but so close, (laughs) so close. Jesus' words here are a challenge to those who would be guides and teachers about their spiritual blindness, but also to those who would be students and followers. This is a warning to the Pharisees and also an encouragement to the disciples. Now, if, you, if you've ever wondered why I give you scripture references all the time, it's so that you can read the word for yourself and to see if I'm on track. Friends, if I'm off track, who's going to tell me? Ben will, right? Sign up. Get on that committee. Ben's the chairman. There should be a committee for that. There should be a uh, pulpit accuracy committee. Yeah, we call them elders. Um, but the truth of the matter is, I, I mean, I just quoted from Star Wars. Honestly, it is. I can easily wander off, right? We walk on a nice edge, and we're con- I'm constantly being pulled. There's, there's so many things that I could say to you that might get me a new car, right? We, or, or a fancier 
building here. We could really flash it up here. And all it takes is for you to listen to me feed you garbage. That is, that's not what I want to do. That's not what the Lord wants for me or for you. Because that isn't any good for anybody. That's, that's distracting. Now, I still think the bathrooms need to be painted. But that's the paint night, right? The ladies' paint night, painting the bathrooms. Can you tell I don't have anything to do this afternoon? I've wandered off the notes badly. So Jesus challenges those who would be teachers and also those who would be followers. A warning to those leaders and encouragement um, to the followers. In verse 40, he says, The disciple is not above his teacher, but but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, I used to think the blind leading the blind and then this student and teacher thing were separate, but it's not. Um, These two statements are not separate with separate meanings. they're, They're connected. The challenge from Jesus is for students to choose your teachers wisely. And if the master is blind and falls, why would we expect the student to be any better off? A time after time, people searching for wisdom choose teachers who are blind. And time after time, they are disappointed when the teacher falls or is exposed. What, is, what picture does that stir up in your mind? It's, it's got to be the same as mine, right? Toons is the driving cat. No? Back in the 80s on Saturday Night Live, Toons is the driving cat. There was a series of sketches. I was really looking forward to this. You know what I'm talking about? Steve Martin, right? And Toons is the driving cat. Every time, there was, I, there was a bunch of them, and every time it was the same thing. Some dummy would get in the car with Toons is the driving cat because they thought he could drive, and they would immediately drive off a cliff every single time. Every single time. Toons just goes to driving school, goes to get his driver's license off the cliff, and it's the same car going off the cliff every time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I only had one cup of coffee. I can't blame it. Yeah, I mean, I wrote it down, so maybe over-caffeinated on Thursday when I was writing this. It's a definition of insanity, basically, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? We've heard that before. We see it at work in the world as people chase after teachers that will give them spiritual enlightenment or fulfillment, and time after time are disappointed. We put our faith in, in men and women, and time after time we are disappointed. And it's just as prevalent in the church because time after time, people choose the wrong teacher. We lift up some individual to a place that they don't belong. We read all their books and we watch all their videos only to learn that they're in fact human and they make some mistake that exposes them and knocks them off the pedestal. And what happens to us? We were following them and then they fell. And now what are we supposed to do? Churches fall apart. Huge movements just crumble. So the challenge to the student, right? the challenge to the teacher is don't be a blind guide. The challenge to the student is don't choose a blind guide. 
Choose your teachers wisely. Don't choose the wrong teacher. Make sure you choose the right teacher. And I'm here to tell you, friends, it isn't me. It isn't Alistair Begg. It isn't Ray Stedman. It isn't John Calvin. It isn't Martin Luther, J.P. Lang, even J.J. Van Oosterzee. Our teacher is Jesus. Our pastor is Jesus. He is the great shepherd. He is our teacher. Not me. When we choose Jesus to be our teacher, we listen to his teaching from his word, the Bible. You get all those references so that you can read yourself what the Bible says. I will say this until I'm preaching my own funeral sermon. I don't have anything that you don't have. I spend time. Maybe that's it. I've got a little more time on my hands than you. I don't think that's a good enough excuse. We all have God's word. We have the words of Jesus. We need to look to him to be our teacher. I'm not going to quit doing this, but I'm just saying, Jesus is our shepherd. When he's on the pedestal instead of me or some other preacher or pastor or teacher, he cannot be knocked off the pedestal because he's God. He is perfect. He's the perfect teacher. And the word of God is such a gift to us. We have the very words of God recorded here. We can argue about translation and and they didn't go far enough with this word or that word. We have enough to know what we need to know in in order to follow the Lord Jesus the way that he wants. Right? We need to read it and let the Lord be our teacher. He's the only guide whose vision is not impaired by sin, whose motives are not selfish, whose desire is for his glory and our good, truly. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Isn't that our aim? To be like Jesus? If your aim is to be like me, you... Oh, my goodness. I feel sorry for you. And Jesus, like any good teacher, sometimes pushes and stretches us to learn and to do things that make us uncomfortable so that we grow. And these next two verses are proof of that. Verses 41 and 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out uh, that that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. I said at the beginning that the blindness that Jesus refers to in this passage is spiritual blindness, a willful turning of a blind eye to the truth of the gospel. 
This example of the log and the speck falls under the same category. Now, first of all, we have to recognize what a ridiculous picture this is. Um, it, and it's intentionally ridiculous. Uh, it, looks, it looks stupid. I mean, imagine. Uh, I, the, it says log here. Some say plank. Um, it, us old Mainers would call it a carrion timber. That's, that's what Jesus meant the main beam that supports the center of a house in your face. It's a ridiculous picture. It looks stupid in our minds because it is stupid. It is stupid to act this way. And yet, we're pros. We do it all the time. This ridiculous picture of a carrion timber jammed in our eye versus a speck, a splinter, a sliver in our brother's eye is Jesus' invitation to introspection. It's Jesus' challenge to his disciples, to us, to diligently examine ourselves according to his standards. According to the world's standards, yeah, we're good. We're pretty okay. It's his standards that matter. Pretty okay isn't going to do it. The reason that many of us go through life with logs stuck in our faces is that we don't use Jesus' standards to measure ourselves by. We measure ourselves by other people. And since we can always find people that are worse off than us, Right? Or find a problem somebody else has that makes us look or feel better. We continually prop ourselves up as better off than we really are. And one of the worst things that I hated to hear um, after I had a stroke was, well, it could have been worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, true, I suppose. It could have been worse, right? I can still do this. And I can smile with both halves of my face, right? It could have been worse. How is, how is that a prop? Like, but that's what we do, honestly. It could be worse, right? I may, you know, I may not be nice to my wife, but at least I don't beat her, right? I may not, I may not be uh, the best employee, you know, or the most productive guy on the line, but... Have you seen Chaco over there? He hasn't made anything good for months, right? How easy is that to do? How ridiculous is that? You know what that's called? Self-righteousness. We compare ourselves to other people. We're better off. Just, just if you can't find, if you find somebody that's better than you, ignore them. Go find somebody that's worse and prop yourself up. You feel better, right? At least I'm not as bad as that guy. The speck that we see in our brother or sister's eye in this, uh, in this parable is some moral defect, right? Some little thing, boy, you know, I heard you use a bad word, you know, when you were talking about the patriots, you know, and I, 
I really want to speak to you about that. With this log stuck in my eye, I'd like to speak to you about your speck. The speck that we see in our brother or sister's eye is some moral defect, but the plank that's in our eye is our own self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is being willfully blind to the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that we have no righteousness of our own. All we have is moral defect. But we are clothed with Christ's righteousness through faith in him and his atoning work on the cross. So in considering your own plank, be honest with yourself. Take a hard look. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. That's what being a hypocrite is. Why on earth would we think that it's okay to point out the faults of others when we're so unwilling to deal with our own? You know the number one reason that uh, people give to not go to church? It's that the church is full of hypocrites. Is that wrong? It's kind of not. They say that the church is full of full of hypocrites, and they're right. And who are the only ones that can change that? Who are the only ones that can change that perspective? Us. So don't be a hypocrite, as I say to you with the planks sticking out of my own face. The best way that we can change the perception of the church is to purge our eyes from our self-righteous planks. We're no better off than anybody. Our righteousness is not from ourselves. God didn't choose me because I'm so handsome and witty and charming. Though I am. (laughs) And humble. I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why God chose you, but he did. And that's on him. That's, that's, That's him. The glory goes to him, not to you, not to me. We've got to take the planks out. We've got to rid ourselves of self-righteousness. The Pharisees, in their pride, were willingly and willfully blind to the gospel and their need of the gospel. Blind guides that led their students into the same pit that they fell in. In their self-righteousness, they pointed out the faults of others while ignoring their own darkness. What can we do about that? Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Even in examining them, we're still looking through a plank. It's easy to point out their faults. Those Pharisees, what a bunch of jerks. Let's deal with our planks. In humility, let us examine ourselves before the Lord and allow the light of his word and the truth of the gospel to expose those logs in our own eyes and expose our darkness so that we're not blind and we're not leading anybody else in our blindness. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, For you are children of light, children of the day, 
We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or at sleep or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. I thank you for challenging me. I pray, Father, that you would show us our planks, that we might remove them, that you, by your grace, would remove them from us. Help us not to be self-righteous, but to be continuously thankful for your grace that saved us, though we don't deserve it. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve to be part of your family. It's a gift, not because of anything that we've done or could ever do. We have nothing to boast about. Father, I pray that you would help us deal with those things that are blinding us. Our self-righteousness, our selfishness and pride. Help us, Lord, to see clearly, not focus on the faults of others. Let us lift one another up and encourage one another, even as we're already doing. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.